Good afternoon, everybody. You are listening to the New Metal Agenda. It's me, Holiday Kirk, with my co-host, Double Z. What's up? Coming at you from LA. We've got a very special episode for you all here. Today, we are going to be addressing the New Metal allegations with the illustrious, honored DRP Donnie of SOAR. Donnie. How's it going? What's going on, everybody? Ruckus. Ruckus. Let's get this out of the way. All right. Donnie. Yeah. Soar are accused of being new metal. Can you confirm that Soar is new metal? I can confirm that we are a band first and new metal influence second. Yes. Good. All right. New metal, Excellent. new metal confirmed. New metal confirmed. You'd yes. love to hear it. So can you just start off? Give us the very give us the very basics here. If you had to introduce someone to Soar. Sure. No, how uh, would you do that? We started in 2001, 2002, roughly. Basically, it was a bunch of guys from my high school that we met up after high school again. And uh, they were all influenced by like heavy metal. And I was like more like the rap guy. So I was like, hey, let's just join a band. They were kind of hesitant at first. I love new metal from the get go. They, they, they didn't like it as much, but we became new metal in that aspect because when we joined together, it became sore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sore forms. Um, you're, are you like gigging locally? Yeah. Yeah. We actually, we started out doing like a battle of the bands and, uh, we, we did two of them. We won the first one at some small bar, but then we did like this big, like Midwestern type thing where it was all the Midwestern States. It was sponsored by Jim Beam. We won like a $10,000 prize to that. And that's kind of what launched the band into, you know, touring and stuff like that. And, you know, basically from there, it just kind of blew us up in the Midwest. That was before social media. You know what I mean? Right. Where it's it's a real grit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We 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 lived in my van, my 86 Dodge Ram van. We just toured everywhere, making 50 bucks a show. And we slept on people's couches, trailer parks, wherever. You know what I mean? That's that's how you did it. That's how you got known. How long between the formation of Soar and the debut record? Uh, Soar formed, I want to say like 2001, early 2001. And then our first record, basically the one with the video position that came out in December of 2002. So it's actually be the 20 year anniversary of that album this December. And did correct me on this one. You signed. What's that? It's, it's your label or you signed with someone else? We originally were supposed to sign with a label with Jim Beam when we won that record contract and it got all messed up. In the process of that, we didn't get all the money from them, but we used some of the money that they gave us at first to record the record. And that's how Force 5 Records came to be because it was five dudes in the band. So we're like, well, fuck it. We're five people. Let's let's call it Force 5 Records. And that was the, basically the launch of the label that's been around for 20 years now since. Now we get the album hits, lead single position, right? So I find this song, I must have found this song like two months ago. Yeah. And it, I, I come across it. Someone posted it on their Instagram page. And it's one of those songs where it's like, I think I got... 10 seconds into it and i was like oh i gotta post this now <laughs> yeah. i was like i was like i need to put this up it, yeah. it's just one of those songs that gets to you just so fast yeah and yeah. it has it has one of the best snare sounds mm -hmm. i think of any new metal album i've ever heard it sounds incredible What's exciting about the sore story of discovering it is typically when you have these bands, these new metal bands that surface, release an album and then go it's, away, yeah. you never get music videos this good out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, it's 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 a really, really good music video. And it it totally blew my mind when you said you guys shot it on what was it? 64 millimeter. We, we shot on 35 millimeter 30, actual the tape you know, the you know what I mean? Like the film. 
Yeah, film. We, we shot that on film. It costs a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money back in the day, but we, the director was, his name was Weston Higgins. And I met him out in LA actually, because I was out in LA all the time. And he was actually in the movie Jarhead. He, he did a bunch of stuff. He was a military guy. So he did a lot of the military movies. He was in a bunch of different stuff, but he wanted to be a director. So he's like, I want to direct your guys video. And it's going to launch me to my next thing I need to do. So we, we, we split the money. He, he got all the 35 millimeter film. He rented a DMV that was vacant. And we, we had like armed guards around us and stuff. It was insane, you know, for this indie band to do this. And uh, yeah, we, we shot a video like that. And it came out really good. You know, that was again, that was before technology is the way it is now, where it's a lot easier to film. Like it costs us a lot of money to shoot that thing. I was going to say, because it's on film, big difference between that and digital is you only got really one or two good shots before you got to like start all over and buy all the equipment again. Cause yep. you can't just film over that. Like you got to make sure you nail it the yep. first or second time. Yep. A hundred percent. We were like worried because basically what he did is he bought film. Like you could buy, go to a secondhand store, like, you know, in certain spots and buy snippets of film. Like, so let's say like star Wars shoots this, you know, this big film and they have snippets left of the, of the canisters. They would sell. It wouldn't be like star Wars, but you know what I mean? Like those big films, they had these like, maybe five minutes left of a canister, they'd sell it to a secondhand store. So we bought a bunch of those secondhand canisters. So we'd film, film, film. Oh, we're out of film. Let's get the other snippet. We'd put that one on, film for a couple of minutes before it ran out. And that's how we, we filmed that video. It's, it was insane. I feel like I'm jumping ahead a little here, but do you happen to have a master of it that we could publish again? Because the, the two uploads on YouTube are kind of gr- kind of rough. Those yeah. are actually like a third, third, uh, addition to that yeah uh weston's the only one has the original and i i haven't talked to weston in probably uh, probably 15 years to be honest 10 10 to 15 years i'd really like to surface that somehow it needs a good remaster yeah he probably could remaster he's the one that's got all that Hmm. it's a shame that so many videos from the era are just uh like a lot of them are surviving like your guys's but they're stuck in this limbo of only being available in 240p with compressed audio like people can't enjoy them the way you guys intended it to be like presented you know, I when, now that you think when I think about it, I I'm sure I have a secondhand copy somewhere. I just got to dig around my studio. <laughs> please, please, yeah, that video deserves should, a proper, it. It yeah. a proper absolutely, look. and it would be an honor to premiere that to be the one yeah. to to put that out there. But um, yeah, can you introduce the other band members? Yeah, so um, obviously it was me. Uh, the other singer was Vinny, the the one with the more pretty voice, the the melodies and harmonies. His name was Vinny, Vinny Martinez. The guitar player was Joe Andre. The original bass player was Kurt Kaufman, and the drummer was Tony Leone. Tony and Joe, the drummer and the guitar player I went to high school with, we graduated the same year, so I knew them. You know, they were fucking characters themselves. But Tony, I, I shit you not, was one of the greatest drummers of our era. He just couldn't keep his shit together with, uh, he was a madman. I'm not, I'm not shitting you. Like, every time we went on tour, like, we toured with, like, Head P.E., 40 Below Summer, Cottonmouth Kings. Like, anyone that saw Tony play was like, dude, this guy's fucking amazing. Like, he was one of the best drummers of that era. And who produced the album? Uh, a guy named Troy Statina. He's actually he back in the 2000s. He did all of the tabs for like the books for Hell Leonard, like the Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz books, any tabs that you would buy back then before. You know, obviously now you get them online. He he transcribed all those albums. So he had a studio here in Milwaukee. We went up to it and that's where we recorded the album because it is a really good sounding album. The 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 most immediate hook. For anyone that I show it to is yeah. the drums. The yeah. drums reach out Absolutely. and grab people right away. You know, we got in a fight in the studio because I told Tony he was spending too much goddamn time on the drums. We were spending too much <laughs> on the drums. But it, it's cool that 20 years later, I remember these fights clear as day. But I'm glad that people, you know, 
appreciate some of the production from that. Cause it, like, again, we weren't making a lot of money. Like we spent so much money on our video and, and the album and we toured constantly just to, I'm glad people remember that. You know what I mean? It means a lot because we, we, we were broke doing that shit. It really so we, paid off from an artistic standpoint. Like yeah, yeah, that drumming was really what hooked me the first time I heard this record a couple of years back. It really sounded like um, rather than a lot of new metal bands, it sounded like the drummer is just trying to do like a simple kind of simple but catchy dance beat or hip hop beat for the lead singer to rap over. It yeah. felt like he was really giving it his all, like in the style of like some like NYC hardcore shit, like really trying to like keep everything going with this like warlike rhythm rather yeah. than just trying to like play to the radio crowd. You know, what's crazy is we had to like tell Tony to dumb it down a little bit for the albums like live. We let him go a little more loose, but. Dude, his fills are some of the best fills you'll ever hear if you like hear his live stuff. But it got too much on the, on the album. So we told him, like, you got to tone the fills down just a little bit for the album. Just a little bit. Let everyone else have some balance yeah, and some yeah. time to shine. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, new metal relies on the groove. It's all the yeah. groove. You know, da da So if you just have him going the whole time, we're not going to get any groove. What about your rap influences? Well, shit, growing up, obviously, like, I, I'm a, I'm an old man now, so like this is gonna date me. But NWA growing up, you know, like they, they were like the first true punk rock hip hop guys to me. You know what I mean? Because they didn't give a fuck. That's the punk rock influence that they had. Like you know, they didn't care what anyone thought. They said what they thought. Growing up in the suburbs, obviously, I listened to all the punk and and metal, like suicidal tendencies. And then they have this group NWA, like like holy fuck, this is amazing. You know what I mean? Like so, I don't consider NWA hip hop. I consider them a punk rock band. With hip hop beats. Can you tell us a little bit about about the disastrous first video shoot? <laughs> so when I told you we won a, a battle of bands, the first one was at this bar in Milwaukee called Top Prospects back in the day. And uh, there was there was a lot of cocaine at that club. A lot of strippers used to come up there all the time. So we're like, hey, let's throw a barbecue. Like we knew the owners very well because we used to draw like Pac-Man. It's only 150 capacity place. And we used to just you couldn't fucking get in there back in the day when we first started out. So we had all these strippers, all this cocaine. Every <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do the cocaine back in the day. Like a bunch of my buddies did, but we had all these people come to this video. I'm like, all right, so we're just going to organize this chaos. So we had like all these cars. I'm like, all right, let's do this video. So we got to try to do the video. But by that time we, we started shooting the video. Everyone's either coked up drunk or had just eaten a bunch of barbecue. So Everyone was useless. Even like the, the strippers were just like all over the place. Like it didn't work out at all. I still my buddy has the footage of that. And I'm like, please give it to me. I want to like shoot some clips from it, like show what it looked like back in the day for that video. Show. What song? That was for the, the song Snake. Snakes, I yeah, I, we yeah. need that. We need the footage. Do you want to? Uh, do you have anything you need to say now, though, to uh, Denny from Punk Ass Label AJ? Oh, <laughs> that's actually the guy that uh, fucked us over with the Jim Beam contract. Oh shit! Yeah, so we were supposed to get the ten thousand dollars. You know what's crazy is we hired a lawyer, and the day we were supposed to go to the lawyer and and meet Denny to like try to get the money was nine eleven actually. <laughs> Oh, wow. So tough, it was a tough day for that. Everything, tough every day for that. And tough you want to know what's even crazier is the band I be became the singer for after, which was Primer 55, that same day was when they released the new release, was 9-11. So that really? got, 
Yeah. Isn't that some crazy shit? I did not know that. Are yep. you? Sh- no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. I know it came out right around that time. Yep. August 14th. What's that? August 14th. The new it came release? Out August, August 14th, 2001. 2001. Yeah. Still right, then, really bad timing. I, I yeah, know that. Yeah. 100%. Well, let's put it this way. Intro to Mayhem. Like, obviously, me and Bobby talked about this when I was in Primer, but intro did so well. And the second one was supposed to be like their big sophomore release. And because 9-11 happened, everything got shut down for them. So they didn't tour anything around that time. And that album, that album is a, f- a phenomenal album with Jason. You know what I mean? R.I.P. Jason. I will go on record. I'd like to say I like the new release more than Introduction to Mayhem. See, you get it, you get half and half from the new metal fans with that. I, I think it's a phenomenal record because it sounds different. What I like is it's, it doesn't sound like Introduction to Mayhem. Like they they did something different. You know what I mean? Especially for new metal of that era. Like they didn't want to stay in that style, which was dope. No, it's got like horns, horn yep. charts on it. Yep. Yep. There's, there's a song on there that sounds he's singing like Tom Waits. Like, it's, yeah, I know. I think it's a real I think it's a really strong album. I'm going to be writing yeah. about that one soon enough. But yeah, I, I definitely prefer that. But as for the uh, sore saga, so the album drops. Do you have any idea what kind of numbers it did? We actually sold, believe it or not, like 5000 CDs just out of the back of our truck driving around the country. We did 5000 physical units. I believe that's, that. Yeah, got some real DIY shit going. Yeah, we 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 kept reordering. We kept reordering. But the funny thing was we would spend the money that we made the C- CDs like on the road. So we, we would always have like our friends or whoever would borrow us money to order more CDs and we never pay them any of them back. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I know. It was it was rough, man. We were living in the back of my van, like living the dream. That's how we that's how we promoted ourselves. Like we literally would go on the road for a month. Not even know if we make enough money. You know what I mean? What's what's funny about that, though, is in the new metal era, you had your situation right on the other side of that coin. You had the situation that bands like Trust Company were getting into where they'd get signed and they'd put them right in a bus. Yep. Right in a bus. They would go to NRG Studios, courted NRG, and then the whole thing, you know, nets out a year or two go by. And then the label comes back and they're like, you owe us that money. You know what I mean? Like, like, so did you think that was a favor? Like. You got to pay for that. Uh, see, back then, that was right before the era kind of popped with digital music, where these labels were given all these new metal bands and that these huge advances. You know what I mean? Like, I know El Nino got like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollar advance for their first or second record, whatever it was. That was one of the last big, like, huge advances. You know that that happened, and it, it kind of bust after that. You know what I mean? Because no one, no one could pay that shit back. Past two thousand and one, new metal bands it was really rare to break out. If yeah. and you had to either have a good gimmick or that you know song. When when did Lincoln Park come out? They were a little bit later in the new metal. Two thousand. They were two thousand. Yeah. So Limp Bizkit that was like ninety seven, ninety eight. Head PE was that era. Yeah. Yeah, about the same time. So anyway, so Soar comes out. When when did it? Did you guys decide that it's not? It wasn't going to pan out. Uh, well, we did after the first record, like I said, we toured for a couple of years, like we toured with almost anybody and everybody. And then we, we, we actually moved to L.A. to record our second record. One of my buddies, we, we met him at a, a conference in Kentucky. Well, he lived in L.A. He's like, come stay with me. I have a studio. There's a, a lady here named Linda Lombardi. She could she could manage you guys come into the studio and record the second record. Well, we got there. It wasn't what they said it would be, which, you know, he tried his best, but it wasn't what he said it would be. And basically, we ended up living when I say living in our van. We literally the studio was here. The parking lot was over here. We lived in my van. And then when the when the studio would open up, we'd come in the studio and just stay there all day and record. You know what I mean? 
So we were basically just living in my van, like no bullshit in my fucking van for like nine months near the end of that. You know, everyone was starting to get tired and like, what are we doing? We all got kids back home. Like, we're, what, what are we doing here? So we came back home, kind of dejected. We didn't even finish the record out there. I started doing like hip hop on the side and I was I was going out doing shows and making three, four hundred bucks. But it was just me getting that money as opposed to like with Sora. We you know, if we got five hundred a night, it was amazing. But we had to split that between gas, hotel, five people. It wasn't much. So I started doing hip hop more. And then it just kind of like I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to do this part time. And they're like, yeah, that's cool because we're going to get full time jobs. And that's kind of where it kind of just fell apart when we came back home. That was like 2005, 2006. That was the end of it. You know what I mean? So when it fell apart, it was purely for logistical reasons. You guys weren't like going to each other's throats or not feeling the music anymore. It was no, just we, life kind of worked out that way. Yeah, life just kind of worked out that way. And I think we, we weren't like we didn't hate each other, but we we basically lived in a van together. So imagine only so much of someone you could take before. Yeah, there's only so space. much you could take. I, if I see my mom every day in the van, I'd be like, get the fuck away from me. Like, I can't do this every day. You know, it, it's not like we hated each other or anything, but it's just. It got to be too much. And, you know, like I said, some of us had kids and stuff like that. We're like, we got to kind of reassess what we're doing here. You know what I mean? When you guys were writing the record, since it was later in the new metal era and the genre was kind of exiting the public eye, did you feel the pressure to try to appeal to like the MTV style sound, like the more alt rock with rap verses, swinging choruses? Or did you guys see it exiting the mainstream as a reason to just go fuck it, let's just be as hardcore as we want to be, do what we want to do. There's no pressure to try to appeal to like some guys in suits. Let's just do what we want. I mean, it it was a little bit of that. Obviously, we all had that punk rock attitude, like, fuck it, we're going to do what we want anyways. But like I said, we all came from different kind of backgrounds with how we played our styles and stuff. So everyone kind of had their idea of what they wanted to sound like. And we all, the good thing about us is we all like, whatever sounds best, we're going to do. So if one song sounds like a metal song, let's do that. If one song sounds like a pop song, let's do that. If one song sounds like a rap song, a hip hop song, let's do that. As long as it sounded good to us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so we had, we scrapped a lot of stuff because we, we couldn't all agree on it. You know what I mean? But like, usually those songs that you hear were the ones that were like, yeah, let's let's do those songs. You know what I mean? But yeah, we, we did want to cater a little bit to obviously you, you have to do a cater a little bit. Otherwise, you're not going to have a fan base with some of this stuff. You know what I mean? OK, yeah. well, then we got to find these these second album songs. Well, the funny thing is, like I said, I, like I, I introduced you to Rick Dog. He's the second at the label here. Can I bring Rick in? Rick, yeah, I told him this year because it is the the twentieth anniversary in December of Soar. I have some demos, so I'm I'm trying to remix them a little bit and add a few things. So I I want to re-release them. I talked to him about it, what he thinks about it too. So I don't know. What do you think about it? Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, great, good the talking. People need to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> you're definitely one of the most dedicated bands we've ever. I've ever talked to. I mean, nine months yeah. in a van. We've got to hear that music. That's got to get its time to <laughs> yeah. shine. Some of the demos, though, they're so they're just not there. You know what I mean? But I have a few that are ready. At least they'll sound good enough you know, on Spotify and stuff, but they're still a little raw. But I'm trying to tweak them the best I can. So they sound we, it's crazy. We, I get emails from people from like Brazil, Mexico, Germany, like, oh, we love sore. We love sore. Is there anything else? And I always feel like I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to release it because I don't want people to be disappointed in, in what they hear. You know what I mean? You the, the appetite for new metal uh, globally is, is unbelievable. You know what's what's great about it? A lot of people knock new metal. It's, it's stupid to knock it. But, you know, you got the metal purists and stuff that knock it. I, I love everything. I, it doesn't matter. But, you know, new metal has a obviously a special place in my heart. But what means a lot to me is seeing bands like 
um, Dropout Kings, Concrete Dream right here. Like the new era is is making new new era of new metal is coming out. You know what I mean? Trap Absolutely. metal. It, it's yeah. dope to me, you know? And it feels evolved. It doesn't feel like a rehash or a nostalgia yes. trap. Or it yep. feels like something that's like a natural evolution of what came before it. it I'm excited yep. for the future, especially with Dropout Kings. They're one of my yep. favorite new bands. Oh, yeah. They're dope as fuck. They're on Suburban Noise Records too, man. Yep. Shout out to Jeremiah. Yep. Shout out to Jeremiah. Homie. Concrete Dream. They're on Suburban Noise Records. And the, the 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 thrust of this interview series that we're putting together too is is that we need to if these kids are coming out and they want to find more new metal we have to give them the tools they need to find bands that aren't Deftones, Corn, Disturbed, yeah. yeah, and because the thing about new metal is new metal was so thoroughly ridiculed and buried that all of those bands that weren't the A-listers just sort of disappeared. And we gotta... I've always found it funny that metal peers, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I find it funny that metal peers say that new metal bands don't have, the, you know, the chops, the guitar and the drums and stuff. Like, there's some of the sickest guitarists and drummers in new metal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. New metal, to me, to me, I, I've said this before, new metal is a genre of drummers. You mm-hmm. could, you could, your guitarist can be trash. Your singer can't, doesn't have to sing. Your yeah. bassist, but the drummer has got to be on point. Oh, it's yeah. A, it's a genre of drummers. There's no yep. getting around it. So 100%. And you guys had a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still looking. I'm looking at your album credits. It's like, and speaking of like underground new metal, I mean, from zero, 40 below summer, soil. Yeah. Uh, I used to play with all those guys back in the day. Do you ever I, have you I heard hate, of from zero? Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I actually yeah. wanted to ask you if you saw the haircut in person. What? Uh, you talking about the lead singers? Yeah. Yeah. I actually. I, I played foosball with those guys back in the day. <laughs> They're from Chicago. So, you know what I mean? Like they used to come up to a place called the Globe here in Milwaukee. There was the place is no longer, but they would come up here. We played with them up here. And then I remember going down to Metro to see them and they sold it out. This is right when Real World 3 came out and they were obviously on that Real World 3 with their music. And then we party with them. And then afterwards, we went to an after party and Disturbed was there. All the guys from Disturbed. So it's just like, oh, this is small town. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Did you guys do any? Do you guys do any festivals? Yeah, we uh, we did Summerfest here in Milwaukee, which is one of the biggest festivals. We we played with uh, Seven Dust one year. We played with um, Saliva one year. Mushroom Head. We played with Mushroom Head all the time. And then um, we also played a, a thing called Woodshock Festival in, in Belfontaine, Ohio. That was a trip. That was with Head PE, Forty Below Summer. There was a big band from Minnesota called Skywind. I think they were like a new metal band. They, oh, Bubble Flex. They, they played that show, too. I used to tour with Bubble Flex all the time. Those are my boys, Marty and Sean. Well, hold on. Hold on. We, we need to we need to, we need to address this, though. We're to, we're, we're talk, hold on. We're talking all about this touring, all these shows, all these festivals. Where's yeah. the live footage? No one had phones back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess, cameras. Uh, we were just talking about how film's expensive. Like they didn't. Yeah. It they didn't have time to archive all of this. We used to play with, I, I did a freestyle battle with Vanilla Ice back in the day when we, were, we did a bunch of shows with them. I know someone recorded that shit. It's I've never seen it. It's never seen the light of day. You've got to have some footage, right? Of, of sore doing shows. I, I have a, a, a few things from Summerfest, but I, again, the sound quality is horrible. It's just hard it to post there. that shit because it, it looks like shit. Yeah, that's if you I mean, if you guys toured Relentless, there's got to be something out there. There's a lot of bands like that, like um, Apartment 26. Are you familiar with them? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Nothing. Major yeah. label, Ozfest, yep. no live footage. None. Are they from where were they from? Michigan or? England. They're from I'm thinking UK. Factory 81 from Michigan. Part Factory 81. There's some good. There's a good amount of live clips of Factory 81. Yeah. Where's Factory 81 from? I thought they maybe they're from Michigan. They sound yeah. like a Michigan ass band. Yeah. For sure. I'm so. sure. I'm sure there's footage out there, but it's just su- sitting in someone's drawer. Yeah. And a VHS tape or because because they record yeah, the mini, tape. Mini cassette. Yep. 
they recorded you and they're like, well, I don't know who these guys are anymore. Yeah. So why would I take the time to upload this? Yeah. Who listens, who listens to this? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll keep my eyes open, though. I'll, I'll, I'll keep my eyes open. Um, yeah, if you find anything, let me know. So with the album being the way it is, just a very strong release, did you guys ever have any major label interest? <laughs> That's funny you say that uh, or ask that is during that uh, Woodshock Festival in Ohio, we had a slew of labels like Mushroom Heads label was um, what was it before? Anyways, we had like three or four labels and one of them was Mushroom Head and Boba Flex's label came out to specifically see us in Ohio, not Megaforce. It was Clips. Yes, yes, Clips. Eclipse. And uh, so they came out in like a handful of other ones. And um, that drummer that you guys love, Tony, which is my friend, dumbass got arrested the week before that <laughs> festival. So we flew in a guy we knew from Wichita, Kansas. He learned all the songs. We did like a shortened set because, you know, he had to learn the songs in a week. When we get up to do the first song, like we had all these people on the side of the stage watching us all these labels and the first song was sore spot and halfway through it, he completely forgot the song and dude, it deflated our whole set. And I remember looking over halfway after the song and I look and everyone's gone no. and I never oh, heard no. they were all talking to us before the show, after the show crickets. I never talked to any of them again. Damn so it happens Tony. when it's a genre of drummers and the drummers missing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You hit this the is, nail on the head, brother. Fucking Tony, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know how many times I said that, brother? <laughs> Fucking Tony. Fucking Tony, man. Get <laughs> shit together, man. Oh, my God. Uh, I wasn't even around during the band's heyday, but he's a drum for, for me, uh, for my hip hop stuff, for the hip hop stuff. And I've heard fucking Tony a lot. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Tony, man. He's after sore. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be right behind Ruckus as far as battle cries go for you. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. us. Tony! <laughs> yeah, hey, this is kind of a it's kind of on topic. Uh, no, I mean, it's on topic, but I am curious, too. I live in downtown Los Angeles. Where yeah. do you remember what the DMV was? No idea. I know. I know. Right. It's like, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The address. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, exactly <laughs> look. Well, let's see. I haven't had the email that from that from 20 years ago. I could look it up and see if I find that email. You know what? If you find that email, you got to reply to that email and be like, hey, hey do you have I, the master tapes? Yeah. For this? Yeah. <laughs> got to find that. And what was the address of that a, a vacant DMV in downtown L.A.? It's While we're talking, tore down, it's tore down into Starbucks. Now. Yeah, it's a Starbucks. Something like that. Like three <laughs> yeah. Starbucks is now. Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing how the city's been going lately, it's probably a fucking sauna place right now. <laughs> yeah. Are they opening a lot of those? There are so many saunas around here now. It's ridiculous. Saunas? <laughs> I have no idea why it's like the new trend out here. It's probably some uh, some weird health craze on Instagram. We're going to open up one here in Milwaukee. Yeah. And as soon as it reaches us. Get song, ahead of the curve, guys. <laughs> hey, so anyway, speaking of Milwaukee, why don't you tell us, though, what do you guys got going on now? Obviously, Sore was the beginning of Force 5 Records, but in the last five to six years, for a while, like it, it got abandoned for a while. I, I actually had a drug addiction problem, so I disappeared off the face of the earth for like five years. And then we actually did a Bubba Spark show together. And remember that? And it was like, hey, we should start the label up again. Let's get the band back yeah, together. Let's get the band back together. So we kind of got the band back together. And then I signed, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Starhead, Danny Diablo from um, Crown of Thorns. I used to tour with Danny back in the day all the time. And again, my drug addiction, I actually left him on tour because I had to go score drugs and disappeared and never came back. 
he, he tells me about that all the time when I, like remember that time <laughs> but uh yeah so fucking donnie yeah <laughs> fucking donnie. <laughs> so donnie. so basically in 2017 i'm like danny you want to put out a record through force five so we came to a understanding he dropped an album and he's been here ever since so we released three or four danny diablo projects the newest scarhead record and then i signed uh big left from la coca nostra which is everlast slain ill bills group dj um, lethal yeah dj lethal yep uh, so Big Left just dropped a record. We and then we had uh Saint, Saint Dog. Dog who just passed away from the Cottonmouth Kings. Rest we did uh we actually did one record, but we released it with Suburban Noise. But we actually have one more that we're I, I'm trying to think of when I want to release it or if we want to do it with Suburban Noise. Like I, I've got a ton of his songs still, so they're just sitting in the vault right now. Then Big Hoss was there for a minute, his his brother, and then uh Chucky Chuck from D Gaff. He did a project with me and Insane Poetry from Lyrical Snuff Productions, which is scum. I don't, know, I don't know how familiar you are with the underground hip hop scene, but Scum's got a really big, la- big label called uh, Lyrical Snuff Productions. His boy did an album with us. And then we got a bunch of independent uh, MCs as well. And, oh, and then um, my band MOD is the, the new MOD, but it's Tim McMurtry, Kenny Ballone from USA for MOD. We just did a new project together, too. So there's, there's a ton happening here. As people that run a label, how do you feel about streaming as the way people consume music these days? I'll let him speak first. I hate it. <laughs> we have to push it so much. We got to be on a computer all the time instead of just going out and doing shows and let it grow like that. We got to, the attention span for everybody nowadays is if you don't keep their attention, they're going to forget about you in a month. I think it's a double edged sword. Like, obviously, it doesn't cost any money to digitally. You know, I'm, we, don't, we don't have to manufacture the CDs like in the old days. So, in that regard, it's great, but it's, you don't make any money on streaming that much. I I, I always tell everyone I'm a t-shirt salesman now. Music is our, is our business card. And here's the t-shirt behind you. Do you want to buy a t-shirt? Music promotes the merch. Yeah. It's really what it is. Merch drops are the the big thing. And obviously we tour a lot. So, you know, we make money on the tours. Like I was just out with agnostic front and sick of it all with Danny Diablo. So, I mean, we sold a ton of merch on that. Danny's a really good hustler. So between all our connections and stuff like that, we do really well, but the music isn't really the, I, I say it's just our business card now. Do you want to, in the videos, our business cards, you know, to everything else you're doing. That makes sense. It, I mean, the sword's double-edged because at the same time, if, if it wasn't for streaming, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't have been able to like bring people around on soar. Yeah. Because yeah. it would have been like, yeah, oh, oh, fuck, this video, this song is amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, like. No, it's crazy. I've, I've seen the Spotify numbers this last week jump up on the soar project. So that's dope. You know what I mean? Thank you very much. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, it, it really did help a lot. It's crazy. Like, I was wondering. I was wondering if that would happen. That's awesome. No, it's, it's funny because we just dropped a, a song with Travis McCoy from Gym Class Heroes with Scarhead. And we we have one of our biggest songs is uh, we did a, a track with Vinny Paz from Jedi Mind Tricks uh, on the Danny Diablo project. And those are been like the big, big, you know, streaming site numbers. And then this week I looked, I'm like, source positions number one on our streaming this week. How the so, fuck did that happen? So make yes. sure you use, make sure you use that next time you're trying to get someone on your show. Yeah, like, you want you want your Spotify numbers up, brother. You want, your, you want them numbers point. up. That's a good yeah. point. I love when that. I fucking love when that happens. I love it when I can drop a, a song like that. Yeah, and it clicks with people and people are because that that's I've posted that song two times and both times people always stop by and they're just like, whoa. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think how I even saw that you guys dropped it. I think someone. Oh, you know what? One of my friends from back in the day, I haven't talked to in 10 years. is like, bro, did you see on Twitter that your song's on this site? I'm like, what? And he, he sent me the link. I haven't talked to that dude in 10 years. 
He's like, I love those sore back in the day things. Remember this? I'm like, holy fuck. So he, it, it sparked his remembrance of things. It was he, just dope. He's like, remember, you still owe me for pressing those 100 <laughs> <Yeah>. CDs? <laughs> like, fuck, you ain't getting that money. See, You're hey, viral on Twitter. Time to collect. Uh, hey, I, I, I saw blowing up on Twitter, huh? Remember those CDs? Remember? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Danny. <laughs> Fucking Tony. Tony. Yeah, I think with I, so the 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 thing about the the new metal stuff when when people it, and, and this happens basically every day is whenever I can post something like that that's way off the grid, way off the radar, people will discover that and they'll just be so excited to find something new metal that they had never heard of. Because I literally think I know I, I know that for a lot of people they think the genre stops with all the big names. Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's an underground. They just don't yeah. think there's an underground. I posted a French new metal song once and then someone was just like, there's no such thing as French new metal. And I'm like, guess what? Fucko. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> you know, is every, it was every single country in the mm-hmm. world because of, uh, and it's a testament to like what new metal is, which is at its essence. <sighs> okay. Here I go. On <laughs> yeah, a right. literal, on a literal level, new metal is groove metal, industrial metal and thrash metal with heavy hip hop rap influences and a strong emphasis on pop songwriting. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But it's that it's that genre fluidity that makes it into something that resonates with people all over the world. Yeah. Because with a lot of forms of rock music like thrash metal, like groove metal, it's like, here's what thrash metal is. Here's what it's not. That's it. Like, that's all it can be. But mm-hmm. but new metal for its entire run grew and changed and changed and evolved. And, and that's how you when you dive deep, you find all these crazy permutations and stuff. So like with Soar, Soar to me is like, it is exactly like you were saying. It's it sounds like guys raised off NWA, yeah, um, and like a SoCal uh, hardcore punk. It, yep. it, it, I, if I had to just say it to someone, I'd be like, it's like institutionalized meets NWA with. Dude, yes, perfect. Suicidal tendencies and NWA. <laughs> you are one of my best friends now. <laughs> but that's that's not even right because I still haven't, you know, talked. We even gotten to the ballads, like, and that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Though there's a lot of depth to it, and I think yeah. that. That is that those aspirations, those new metal aspirations are very unique to that genre. So when I can get people to hear something underground, they just. Yeah, but but I, that absolutely made my fucking day to hear that your Spotify numbers jumped up. That's, that's oh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, it, this awesome. last week, I was just I would like I said, I was just showing him like earlier today. I'm like, look at what the number one song is this week on fucking our Spotify pages. How did the fuck did that happen? What year is this? <laughs> yeah, is this 2002? <laughs> That's right. It's 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 it, you know that all that time in that bus. I, I mean, not in that fucking bus. Yeah, all that in time a, in that van, Dodge Ram van. All in the time <laughs> in the van. It's all paying off right now yeah. because of my ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna let Double Z bring this up. He was he asked me earlier. He's like he's like, should we bring this up? And I Uh-oh. I read the article and I was like, fuck yeah, we should bring this up. Please bring this up. Go take it away. So a couple of years ago, Chris Taylor Brown, the singer of Trapped. <laughs> decided he was going to try to start beef with Danny Diablo for some fucking insane reason. Yeah. Uh, Why do you think he did that? Do you think he just didn't know who who Danny was? Like what he was all about? He had to have not known who he was. But here's the thing. He started with Ice-T. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay. So he started with Ice-T and then I'll never forget because I was actually shopping at Menards. Uh, I was was at a a shout out to the Midwest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was at a home improvement store and all of a sudden, my Twitter just started blowing. It was like, bing, 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 bing. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't even really use Twitter that often. And then I look, and Danny's like, check your Twitter. I'm like, what? what are you talking about, Danny? He's like, just check it right now. And I look, and he's just beefing with him. I'm like, oh, my God. So 
I, I called Dan. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? He's like, I, I don't, I can't use the word. He knows what words Danny would use. But. There, it's used a lot in New York. <laughs> yeah. It's just tossed Very around. New York speak. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? He's like, I'm going to beat this motherfucker up. I'm like, why? He's like, he's talking all this shit. And I started reading all this stuff. So then all I did was like, I, I said to Chris, I said, do you really know who you're talking to? <laughs> I should probably stop this now. Yeah. And then he started talking shit to me. <laughs> I was just like, I can't believe now I'm beefing with the dude from Trapped. <laughs> Chris Brown. <laughs> and Rolling Stone picked that up. And here's the fucking crazy thing. That was right. That was right when um COVID started, right? It was March. Yeah, of- April. Yeah. Read the game 2020. So. None of us were working. We had no fucking money. All of a sudden, this thing happened with Chris Brown from Trap. Danny's website went fucking apeshit. We sold so much clothes that month. I'm like, thank you, Trapped, because right. no one fucking likes you. And then we and we, Ice T and Ice T. Yeah, he's, thank you for beefing with Ice T and Danny Diablo because Rolling Stone picked up. Everybody picked it up. His website went fucking crazy. We sold so much merch that month, but we we tried to get him to do a, a celebrity boxing thing where all the money would go to a, a charity and he just ignored us completely. Like, dude, put your money where your you mouth don't is. Want, mm-hmm. You don't want those problems. No, <laughs> I know that's tough. I know that's tough for you to hear, though. Double Z, you're a I, double Z. Actually, he's he's going to hate me for saying this. He's a huge trap fan. No, every <laughs> he has. He, he has every trapped album on vinyl, cassette. Here, Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> if, if Chris would have just shut the fuck up, people would probably still be like, well, traps an all right band. But I was he's just destroyed. about to he's say. He's destroyed they, everything. They, they have heads, a decent heads, song, but think that's about it. <laughs> no. Think that. Think about this. Headstrong is one of, if not the biggest, alternative rock radio hit of like the 2000 yeah. to 2010 era. Yeah. He has a platinum album. Yeah. You know. You know who? Else? I don't have a platinum album. I don't have a fucking platinum record. Chris fucking Brown from Trapped. <laughs> but you know what? But you know what? I'll never post his shit ass music. So there's yeah. your legacy. Yeah. There's your yeah. legacy. I guess he Good pissed work. it all away over a death wish. <laughs> yeah. Never make it now, Chris. Never make it now, yeah, Chris. You're done. I, you're done I hold Chris. It. You know what? Oh, wait, wait. Danny did get a really good one off on. Uh, this is, this is really good. He goes, he goes, uh, you are a whack alien ant farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's, that's really a backboard shatter right there. Like, I really <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. I, I forgot about that, of, too. I can't think of a more hurtful <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Well, we, just, we, we're still ready for the celebrity boxing match. Chris, we're, we're asking you. Danny's ready whenever you want to do it. Chris, just do us a favor. You know what, Chris? Just tr- just play a show in New York City. Yeah, see what happens. Just yeah. play a city and just play, play a show in New York. Yeah. Just play try to Queens, Queens or Brooklyn. Queens, Queens, yeah, Queens or Brooklyn. Queens or Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. They got it. Yo, Come they got down. a big, big contingency of idiots there. I think that you could find an audience or get your yeah, ass beat. A yeah. little both. Yeah, probably a little <laughs> bit of both. A lot of Is bit he of still both. a singer? Didn't they kick him out, though? No. Oh, yeah, that too. I don't think they did. I think if anything, everyone else in the band quit just because the yes. name Trapped is tainted now because all yeah, the headlines was, didn't say Chris Taylor like Brown that. said this bullshit. It was Trapped said this bullshit. But I yeah. think there's only so many times you can watch half the audience leave whenever the singer says this is from our new album before <laughs> you, you before before it becomes like, all right, I'm going to go get a job at Jiffy Lube. This is not worth it. <laughs> yeah. You know I what? Either play guitar and trap or get a job at Jiffy Lube. This is no choice at all. The, dr- the dream Lube, is the dream is 5W30 or 10W20. <laughs> all right, guys, I think we can wrap this up, though. Um, yeah. Thanks. An absolute trillion and a half for, for joining us. This was a total honor. Uh, no, thank you, man. Like I said, uh, really appreciate it. It's, it's it's amazing that someone's keeping the legacy alive with some of the stuff. So for real, appreciate it, man. When I do, and when I start touring my new metal night shows, you got to come out and do position. Would love to, man. Ooh, I'm yeah. telling you. I'm telling yeah. you. 
Yeah. But um, so the album so- uh, Source of Raw Energy Soar is available on streaming. I'm telling you, anyone listening to this, go check it out. By ch- by, you're gonna get 30 seconds into track two, and you're gonna be hooked. You got, yeah. you'll be absolutely hopeless. You might even like track one, even though the rest of the album does not sound like track one. Yes, yes. But it'll get you. I'm telling you. So guys, go ahead though. I want you to tell us all. Tell the people where you at. What's going on? What's next? And how can they stay in touch? Well, go to force5records.com. We got um, the shop with all the different uh, CDs, merch on it. We're touring all the time. We're dropping a new uh, mixtape called the Ruckus Mixtape 3 on October 22nd. It's got some hip hop. It's got some uh, rock, some little new metal styles to it. Uh, Big Left's on it. Danny Diablo, me, this guy, Rick Dog, Jason Logic, King Relic, Prolific. Any last words? Band from... um from vegas yeah they're a new metal band that we signed i forgot about that check out never ending last words if you guys love new metal but yeah we're pumping out a lot of stuff check out the newest video with danny diablo with scarhead with travi mccoy called back in the day just dropped that last month and uh check out on the attack uh, we shot that in vegas with any last words last month the video go to force five records youtube page we appreciate it man i'm calling out everyone in the scene that was trying Keep it shit close to the best when I'm saying you wanna act hard, homeboy. Get the dummy. But these two fists rip shit quick like a